0: the ball just takes off, just explodes off the bat. Line drive might not have been any higher at any point in its arc than the batter's helmet. Barely clears the fence, pretty much burrows a hole in the grass hill where it lands. And I think to myself, who was that? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates coming to you all week from Bradenton, Florida. If you're into football and or hockey, I am too. And I offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, which I hope you'll also check out. Pirates lost to the Twins yesterday 9-4. In Fort Myers, that game, like the one before it, like the one before that, and like the one before that, they don't mean anything, but they especially mean nothing when the opponent travels a long distance. Not because the travel is so grueling, but because those teams, the ones making the long trip, will never bring their good players because it's seen as something of a reward to not have to make the Fort Myers trip, which is two hours away from here. Or vice versa, like when the Red Sox came to Bradenton the day before and the Pirates pasted them, they didn't have hardly any of their guys. So it doesn't mean anything. You hear these scores. Now, I could have easily argued that this home run that I described Also didn't mean anything because the wind at Hammond Stadium was ferociously whipping out to left, which is where the ball went. But the ball was stroked. You could see it in the swing. You could see it in the lack of any kind of shape to the trajectory. It came off the bat of Diego Castillo. And if you aren't familiar with that name, uh, don't feel bad. He's not somebody who's come up a lot in prospect conversations. He's not somebody who's come a lot in any conversations related to this team. He's 24 years old. He's played only a half season of professional ball as high as the AAA level. Did that with Indianapolis. And he's not been great. Great. Up until this past season, in which he hit 18 home runs, began really spraying the ball effectively. Uh, Not just to the opposite field, which is something that had been his focus, as he told me, uh, after this game himself. He started really trying to crush the thing, which almost always involves pulling the ball. He got good results out of it. He liked it. He felt confident. And he ended up spending 70 plate appearances in Indianapolis. That's all that he's got. So he homers off Garrett Cole this past Sunday up in Tampa. He homers in this game in his first at bat maybe at least a little bit aided by the current that was passing across the field. Then he comes up again in the sixth with a man aboard and just murders one. Pulls it even more, a little bit closer inside the foul pole, but this was not uh, something that squeaked over the fence, and this was not something that was wind-aided. And in addition to that, he was playing shortstop and made an outstanding jump throw from deep in the hole and got the guy, thanks in part to a pretty nice pick at first by Daniel Vogelbeck. This was really quite the display. And given the complete lack of composition To this team's bench, I'm having a hard time imagining how you wouldn't take a player like this north to St. Louis. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Now, I'm not about to predict stardom for this player. It took him a while to reach this point. That doesn't mean that he's a finished product either, but... If he'd been on any kind of path toward uh, being an everyday player, it almost certainly would have begun forming a long time ago. However, just getting to the majors is a pretty nice thing. Once you get to the majors, you're free to make any kind of impression that you want at any position. And on top of all that, when it comes to bench players, you want them to have some kind of combination of ability but also patience and professionalism and happy to be here kind of feel to it and if you want a snippet of what this individual's personality is like, listen to some of the conversation he and I had after the game How confident do you feel right now? Uh, 100%. Super confidence, super confidence right now. Two home runs, big play in the field, looks like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying my game right now. I mean, having fun all day here. I got a great teammates, that's why I can get the opportunity to enjoy and have fun during the game, during the practice. So that gives me a lot of confidence and talking to myself. I like to talk to myself all the time, saying like, come on, you can can do it here. You can do it here. (laughs) This is the moment. You're going to have your face to hit a bomb, and it happens, you know. Big smile through that whole thing. You know what? That's good, too. That's good, too. This team is not going to win a ton of games. I'm not exactly spoiling the ending for you here. And if the starting pitching doesn't look a whole lot better in the very, very near-term future, it could get pretty ugly pretty fast. So... Get yourself a young guy who can make some plays, who can smile, who can enjoy it, and maybe become something a little bit more. Again, you don't want to put a cap on him, you know? Look, I'm not sharing this with you as if it's some great story. And I definitely want to temper any expectations because the kids hit three home runs in four days and knocked one off Cole two in one day and everything else. Don't do that. This is not O'Neill Cruz. Uh, This is a nice player who could become a nice piece that was acquired in the Clay Holmes trade with the Yankees along with Hoy Park. If that happens, wonderful. You see where it goes. The more of these types of situations that unfold positively for the Pirates down here and then, of course, into the season the stronger they become as an organization. Whether they have room for them on the field or whether they use them as trade chips or whatever it is, we become stronger with every single asset that matures. When we come back, just one question. back time for J1Q, and today's comes from Mike Zappler, who asks, Might we be underestimating how soon the Pirates will start to look respectable? If Mitch Keller really comes on this season, and we get Rowanzi Contreras in Pittsburgh in a few months, that's potentially a formidable one-two punch. Plus, O'Neill Cruz should be here in June. Add to the mix a healthy Kibrian Hayes and improved Cole Tucker, Diego Castillo, Yoshi Tetsugo showing some power. Maybe Travis Swaggerty coming on the scene. David Beddar is the closer. You could imagine a scenario where the team really starts to gel as the season progresses. Am I crazy? Mike? Yes. (laughs) There's just too much there, my man. Too much. Sports doesn't work like that. You don't ever see all of the stars align. Not even for actual championship teams. Stuff goes wrong. Players underperform. Even on the best of the best teams. What you will almost never see is a scenario where a team is known to be not nearly talented enough, not nearly experienced enough, not nearly deep enough, and every single woulda, coulda, shoulda takes care of it. It just doesn't happen. Don't do that to yourself. Just don't. Because you'll be feeling that wound about halfway through April, okay? The pitching is... Not here, you mentioned Keller and Contreras, or you know two-thirds of a season of Contreras, and I'll come back with all the other parts of those missing fractions because I don't see them, I don't see them. Uh, just to give you an example, Bryce Wilson pitched in the game I covered in Fort Myers yesterday. And there were times through the first three innings where I was, like, rubbing my eyes, like, who is this guy? Dynamic with the fastball, had them off balance with the off-speed stuff. And then, as I would confirm later with one of the pitching coaches, he was really focusing on a slider that just keeps getting better and better. More dynamic, more action to it. It's really, really pulling away from right-handed hitters. Great. I want to see stuff from Wilson. He has better stuff than Crow. I also want to see better stuff from Will Crow. And I want to see the return of the version of JT Brubaker that wasn't giving up two or three home runs a game. Whatever it is that's caused that, and it really began to hit hard, both literally and figuratively, in the middle of last summer, it's got to stop. And once again, do you hear what I'm doing here? I'm doing the same thing you did with your cue, which is a lot of coulda, woulda, and shoulda. And let's not leave Keller out of this. This dude's coming into this season with a seven career ERA. All right, he's anything but some known commodity or a sure thing. It's exciting. It's going to be fascinating to watch how his stuff plays off of a 98, 99 mile an hour fastball that he suddenly got back. But that doesn't mean he's going to be able to pitch his way out of gyms, pitch inside. Remember the reason that he got sent back to Indianapolis to work with Joel Hanrahan? There's – Not a place for me to go in any kind of upbeat dialogue about the 2022 Pirates without crossing that bridge. And I can't even make the first step onto the bridge. They've got to find starting pitching, either from the guys they've currently got or in the next 10 days when you're going to start seeing some different names and some free agents uh, pop up. My understanding continues to be from down here that the Pirates will seek more pitching through free agency even if that costs, gasp, money. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one from down here tomorrow.